episode 30 of The Paul George Show, welcomes Dan Jurek. Well, one heart is easy when you're first married. You're in that passionate, romantic, hopeful, hope-filled stage. But to be of one will, we've got to give up our selfishness. We've got to work as partners, not individuals. And that becomes the work of marriage yeah. throughout the lifespan of the marriage. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Paul welcomes Dan Jurek to discuss marriage. He also shares his thoughts on extreme baptisms, his romantic side, and what not to do in any marriage, anywhere. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the righteous Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you today. Exciting show today. Have Adam Conk, as always, sitting over there in his corner. Good morning, Adam. Hey, or Paul. Good how day are you? or good afternoon. I, <laughs> I don't even know. You don't even know. I don't even know. It must be a crazy season of life for you, man. It, you don't know what time it is. No, I really don't. Honestly, half the time, I don't know what time <laughs> it is. I don't know what day it is. I don't really know. But. <laughs> Here's the deal. I, I, I still know that it's uh, the season of Lent and it's almost Easter. It's very close. Which gets me fired up. One, because of all the things I've been fasting from, I can now just just jump into, you know? Yes. Which I'm excited about. Are you? Yeah. See, I've always... This is interesting. So, like, back when I cared about March Madness, which right. I don't particularly care about. The anymore, basketball tournament. But, like, it, that takes a lot of attention. And then it ends at the perfect time. Right. So you Easter. could start turning towards Holy Week. Yeah. Yeah, well, March Madness for me is Easter. Okay. I love Easter. This is my favorite season, by the way, because I love spring. I love, you know, I just love the season of I spring. I just had an image of you frolicking in a, in a field with all the, these flowers. Through the tulips. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> I used to have a coach when you would, like, run soft, you know, instead of hard in football. I don't know. He's stop tiptoeing through the tulips. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Who tips toes through tulips? So have you translated that to your spiritual That's life? a tongue twister. Tiptoe to tulips. Do you tell Say yourself, it fast. Tiptoe through the tulips. Say it faster. No, can't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of Easter, I came across this video. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, but it's fascinating. So it's this um, baptism that's going on in an English, uh, Spanish-speaking country. Uh, I'm assuming it's Mexico. Uh, and it's a short video on Twitter. Um, so this priest has this baby, a, a pretty much an infant, but maybe it looks in me anywhere between, you know, maybe two, three, four months old yeah. baby, okay? Uh, chunky baby. And he's standing <laughs> over the baptismal font. Um, and, and, you know, for us, like when you see infant baptisms, you know, they take like a little shell or a little bowl and they pour it over the baby's head and the baby mm -hmm. kind of cries Very or, gentle. Or, or doesn't. And if so, it cries, we're like, oh, oh. So speaking of March Madness and the basketball tournament, okay, this priest ha is double-fisted on this baby, has him grabbed him on both sides, or her, I can't, I can't tell, and just donks the baby under viciously. Like slam dunks? Slam dunks the baby, <laughs> and then yanks it up, and like everybody just starts cheering. It, it's quite amazing. So you got to check this out. So anyway, that is uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's in Spanish, but here's what I didn't know. Uh, so if you, there's this little Spanish translate under Twitter, you can you can what? hit it, and it says the guy says free from sins lifelong. 
Yeah, the translate thing is like Catholic dream because we could translate, we could literally be connected to the church in Mexico or wherever and actually understand what's going on. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I thought the Spanish in the Twitter thing was like a, a curse word, so I was afraid to retweet it. Were you? Yeah, because I can't read Spanish. And uh, But I did the translate thing. This is free from sins lifelong. That's like That's like a great life motto. That is a great life motto. Uh, here's what I love about this video. Like, it, first of all, it's, it's hysterical. Yeah, right, it's so you can fun. go on my Twitter, uh, Paul George II, and you can find the video. Uh, and here's what I love that I feel like that we should do more of. Uh, they cheer after the baptism. Yeah, it looks like, like a touchdown. Yeah, it looks like a touchdown. Like they just go nuts. The priest is going nuts, holding up the baby <laughs> like is. the Lion King. <laughs> For real. And everybody's cheering and clapping. And when we have a baptism, it's like, oh, 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 that was good. Do you know what just happened? Mm-hmm. Right, Adam? Like at baptism, what happens? So many things. So many. We're free <laughs> from our sin, from original sin, right? We're saved in Christ. Yeah. So, so we believe that we're immersed in the water. So we die with Christ and then we rise. But this is an American problem, though, Paul, because like I've heard Americans are some of the only people that don't sing. And if you think about it, like you walk into Ireland, into any Irish pub, you just there's gonna be singing. You people just start are celebrating, right? People are celebrating, rejoicing. Ba-na-na-na. Like in America, we tone down everything. Everything, yeah, except at Mardi Gras here in Louisiana. Except at Mardi Gras. But I, I feel like, how cool would it be to rejoice at a baptism, like clap and? Well, sing. dude, I'm having a baby next month. Let's do it. Bring that baby. Let's dunk that baby. Dude, let's dunk the baby. I mean, not us. I gotta, I gotta find this priest in Mexico. But a priest. offer to pay for his flight. We should get Father Jose, a good friend of mine. He'd do the dunk. I think he would dunk that sucker. <laughs> do you know if it's a, a guy or a girl? It's a boy. It's a boy. So he could take it. Do you have a name? He's probably a big boy too, because judging by the belly size, big daddy could be a record. You have probably a name? Joseph. Jose. That's Jose. Spanish. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you up to date on Thanks, my, my my Spanish translate here. So you've been staying up all night translating stuff. Yeah, on, Joseph on is Jose. Joseph is Jose. Nice. I like that, Jose. Yeah. Yeah, Joseph. We can it, do the dunk. Well, look, I'll invite you to my baptism. Can you be the only one that is clapping and cheering? Dude, I will go nuts. Can you do that for me? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this is what I love about Easter. I, I love the fact that there's baptisms at the vigil. I love the mm-hmm. fact that we celebrate this new life. So we're coming out of Lent. This sense of darkness, this sense of desert, this sense of fasting, um, this sense of dying to self. I don't know if you've paid attention to the readings as of late uh, in the Gospels, but you have Lazarus who's died, right? And, and Jesus goes in and brings him to new life. You have the readings from uh, the Old Testament of Ezekiel, the dead bones, God saying, I, I will raise you know the i will come into your graves and and breathe the spirit in you so you have these this idea of death during lent and certainly a good friday the death of christ who is the apex of 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 all this and then the resurrection and new life and this is what i love love about easter you love that new life i want to dunk somebody really yeah yeah could you dunk me dude i would i would totally dunk you <laughs> yeah, so we have this thing called baptism by desire. I desire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to dunk you. Do you really? Yeah, but speaking of new life, a great show today. I'm super excited. We have uh, another uh, 
a recurring guest on because we're going to talk about a different topic today, uh, more in depth, the topic of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. So Dan Jerk's going to come back on. Um, but I was looking at the, you know, the differences between men and women. <laughs> That's always dangerous. <laughs> and immediately you begin to laugh. But we all, you know, we all know that there's differences between men and women. But I was kind of uh, looking at this, and one of the the images that was hysterical uh, was this image of um, a, a a bride getting a letter from from her dad, you know, right before the wedding, mm-hmm. and the groom getting a letter. And it's got like the a flow of the picture. So she gets the letter, she's smiling, and then she begins to start crying as the letter as she's <laughs> reading the letter. And the guy's got the same expression the whole time. <laughs> like it just doesn't it 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 doesn't move, you know? Like his expression's just like, Yeah, this is this is cool, thanks. I wanna cry, but I don't. Um <laughs> But anyway, we, we know this difference between men and women. A lot of times we joke and we laugh about it. And, you know, it's like, you know, women get ready so long and men get ready. And, and you know, in 10 minutes, you know, you know, women do this and men do this. I think a lot of times when we think of men and women and we think of marriage, a lot of times it's almost like we're divided before we even start. It's almost like we, we're, we're pitted against each other in our differences and we kind of like, you know, in a sense of like, well, you do this and I do this and men are this way and women are this way. And I find a lot of times that, you know, those differences that are sometimes funny kind of grow into things that actually divide people in their relationship. And I want to talk to Dan about this because what the church teaches, Adam, and you know this, is that men and women complement each other. Yeah, and I think that's an awesome point because for whatever reason, those compliments those differences that are meant to complement can actually divide mm-hmm. if we're not intentional about offering those compliments. Exactly. See what I'm saying? Offering how I'm different to you as a gift, it'll I'll actually use it as a weapon. Yes, and that's exactly what I'm trying to say, is that those differences pit uh, us against each other, cause division in marriage, and God wants us to have a happy, holy, thriving marriage. And I think people desire Can you say that, that. again? Because I think that's so true. Happy, but... holy, thriving marriage, <laughs> yes. tiptoeing through the every tulips. Every marriage? Every marriage. Or just some really no, special every ones. marriage. And But I do think there are a lot of people who are saying, I, I don't know if that's possible. Like, how is that? And, you know, we, we take these differences and, and and we kind of point at each other, mm-hmm. and we blame each other. And and what God teaches through Scripture and our theology is that our differences complement each other. And so my difference is a gift to my wife, and vice versa. And when we begin to offer that as a as a gift, as you said, uh, we begin to experience what what marriage should be and could be, and what God wants to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So today I want I want to dive a little bit more into that, and I think it's important for us to uh, to begin to come around the beauty of those things. So great show today! Uh, excited to be here. Just a moment. I have Dan Jurek on. It's Paul George show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you today. Excited about our guest having back on uh, Dan Jurek, uh, PaxRenewalCenter.com. Dan, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Paul. Good to talk to you. Good, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're in between work and clients and, and all the things that you're doing. Uh, take the time to jump on with me, but I want to get into this topic. Obviously, it's an important topic uh, in our culture, and it's important to me personally. It's important to you. Uh, it's idea of marriage. It's not even an idea. It's reality of marriage for many people. Uh, and you do a lot of marriage counseling. Uh, you do a lot of marriage webinars. And of course, you've been married to your beautiful wife, Jane, for how many years? 33 years. <laughs> 33 years and going. Yeah, 33 years and going. We're not stopping. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you do do a lot of work. And so, you know, I want to get into this conversation. Um, you talk to many couples and deal with many different situations. Why is marriage difficult? Oh, boy, we can we can talk about this for hours. But, you know, um, there's this wonderful quote. It says, getting married is easy. And staying married is more difficult, but staying happily married for a lifetime would be considered among the fine arts. Mm, dude, that's awesome. You know, you put, you know, you put two people together um, for any amount of time, and there's going to be stress and distress. And as things go on in a couple's life, um, unless they are really working towards working together, they find themselves in a place of disconnect and then frustration comes in. And so, you know, the, the, the hardest part I think is keeping couples connected or keeping our relationship connected. There's a thing, uh, Boy, I heard this. I was a graduate student in, in uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville in the early 80s, with, and I was listening to Dr. James Dobson, of all people, and he talked about this thing called marital drift. Huh. And I wasn't even married at that time, but it just made so much sense. And over the years, it's really played out, and I see how it affects my marriage, but so many others that, you know, when two people come together, it's, it's very much like... Um, like two boats in the middle of a lake and they're and and they're not tied together but boy they just it's so tranquil it's so peaceful they're so in love they just want to be there but because they're not tied off and they're not tied together just the energy in the water even on a very calm lake is going to push those two boats apart mm. and then you have good things even that come through currents and wind and, you know, steady breezes. And for marriages, that's children, that's work, that's family life. These things can tend to pull couples apart, mm. even to the point practically where the husband is going coaching uh, soccer over here and mom is running over here to pick up the kids at dance. There's just this natural tendency to pull us apart. Right. And, and with Dr. Dobson's analogy, he says, you know, when, when, when the boats really are on opposite ends of the lake, it takes so much energy to bring it back to center. Amen to that. And so the real, you know, and so the real key is how do we on a consistent daily basis as couples battle off 
marital drift or marital entropy, as he calls it, and really stay connected. And and it's not an easy thing because, like I said, there there are so many things, good and bad, that get in the way of couples staying connected. That's and true. And so that that's an oversimplified yep. answer to to your question. But there are so many things that just come in between the couples. Yeah. And unless they're holding together, um, too many forces are trying to pull them apart. I'm talking to Dan Jurek, PaxRenewalCenter.com, on Twitter at Daniel underscore Jurek. Tons of resources on your website about this topic of marriage. You know, I, I see a lot of times in young couples this idealism, idealistic view of marriage. You know, like you said, it's easy to get married. Uh, and, and then once they get married, they realize, oh, this, this is actually work. And then I think there are other couples who have been married. They look at maybe a healthy marriage out there and they think, you know, those, they just have it all together. They have it all together. And there's no perfect marriage and there's no perfect people, but I want to pull out something you said that I think is crucial, um, is two people working together, um, and what happens here, Dan, as, as you see, do, do people just stop working on their marriage? Does one stop working? Uh, because, uh, like, like, at what point do they sort of hit that wall and begin to drift apart? There are so many different times that there isn't one, but just a few of them, Paul. The finishing college and getting into the work field. If a couple got married before they both finished college and just the stress, whatever major stressor comes in can really change the dynamic of the relationship will be my simple answer. Hmm. Um, whether it's getting getting into the workplace, whether it's the first child, whether it's losing a job, whether it's a sick family member, um, whatever the stressors are, they begin to pull couples apart. And when, you know, when Jane and I were first dating and courting. We were in a certain rhythm. And I know when you and Gretchen were first, you know, dating, you guys were in a certain rhythm. Well, those rhythms, you know, I think back to the early 80s when we were starting to date, none of those rhythms are in our life today. Right. And, and unless we make the adjustments, because back then it was easy, now it's got to become intentional. Right. It was natural back then. And so what couples do often is believe that what was easy at the beginning will continue to be easy. Mm. And when they hit those moments of stress or distress, when they, when they step on each other's toes in the dance and get angry with each other, they, they don't yet have the skill, the tenacity, or the support to work through the problem. And oftentimes in this throwaway culture, we just simply, we're seeing it statistically, people just give up on the relationship and go to another one. Hmm. And that becomes really problematic. One of my favorite quotes uh, that really isn't super directly related to marriage, but uh, was actually used at my daughter's um, wedding. The priest quoted St. Alphonsus Liguri, and he said, the principal effect of love is to unite the lovers so that they may have but one heart, one will. Well, one heart is easy when you're first married because right. you're deeply in love. You're, you're in that passionate, romantic, hopeful, hope-filled stage. 
But to be of one will, that means our minds have got to come together. We've got to die to ourselves. We've got to give up our selfishness. We've got to work as partners, not individuals. And that becomes the work of marriage yeah. throughout the lifespan of the marriage. That's so true. Talking to Dan Jurek, PaxRenewalCenter.com. Uh, I mean, you make a good point, and I think what I see, um, and and I know even in my own marriage, like if I want to have a good marriage, uh, it takes work. Uh, Like I can't sit back as a man and just not work on myself and work on my marriage and vice versa for Gretchen, right? And you found that in your own personal life, in your own personal marriage, and I'm sure you're seeing this in the marriages that that you work with. Who are struggling either because of certain issues or changes in life? Uh, you know, we all have those. We all experience that, and that ability to to tether together and weather the storm together is so important. But you know what I find is a lot of times men and women pit their differences against each other instead of helping to complement each other and journeying together. I want her to change. I want him to change. If he would just be different, if he would pray more, if she would stop nagging more, and then. Before we know it, there's division. Yeah, because no longer we're, look, we're no longer are we standing side by side looking at the problem. We're now looking at each other almost as a face-off. Yeah, yeah. Saying the problem isn't out there; the problem is you. Yeah. And it's because there's been a disconnect of attachment. There's been minor or major betrayals. Mm. Um, we have let the other one down. Whoever the you know, we've let each other down when we thought neither one of us would let each other down. You know, Father Father Ron Rollheiser, in one of his writings, says the first task of couples in marriage is to really console each other for the fact that they can't not disappoint each other. Hmm. We're going to disappoint each other. But if we walk into marriage thinking, he's my everything, she's my everything, well, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Right, and I think that does happen a lot. We want the other person to fulfill all our needs when when really, ultimately, God is the fulfiller of our hearts and our needs. But at the same time, God uses us as individuals in our marriage to love the other person unconditionally. And as you said, like we have to begin to die to ourselves to do that, to get over ourselves, and to begin to to move past our own issues or insecurities, right? Absolutely. And when we're not feeling connected with our spouse, it actually goes into uh, um, a minor trauma. When we're feeling like, even though I'm living in the same home with this person, I'm not connected, I'm all alone. And when we feel alone, we get into a, a panic mode internally. Now, we're not freaking out necessarily at first, but we feel the distress. And then instead of being able to reach out for comfort to our spouse, who is always there, they're either telling us what we're doing wrong, that we're not good enough, that we're not being affirmed, and that just sends us into more isolation. And that isolation itself creates more aloneness. More aloneness creates more more fear and then we're coming out fighting fighting or we're running away yep. rather than moving towards each other as in a, in a sense of covenant and pulling each other together amen all right so when we come back dan we're going to get into this conversation how do we begin to build a thriving marriage so paul george show we'll be right back
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Here today, I uh, have a wonderful guest, Dan Jurek, PaxRenewalCenter.com, at Daniel underscore Jurek on Twitter. Dan, you have great resources on your website and the webinars you do and the stuff that you send out. Hey, thanks for taking the time today. We're in the middle of this conversation about marriage. And um, wow, you know, we could talk all day about this stuff, but I really want to get to some practical things. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, here, here's what I realized early on in marriage. Um, and I, I did some self work before I got married. And certainly mm -hmm. you, you, you know about that. And, and we, we all need to do that. But when you get married, uh, like you said, two people live together. And, you know, the way I see it is two imperfect people come together to live in a small space together. And and what that does is that begins to highlight and magnify even more your issues, your insecurities, your the, the gaps in your life, okay? Yeah. And <clears throat> I think either, either you can deal with them and work on them or you run. And what I want to ask you is how do people begin to, to, to move forward into working on themselves and working on their marriage so they can they can have a a happy, holy, vibrant marriage. You know, to me the first thing uh, and I'm just gonna come from male perspective, but this applies to the women as well. Get your eyes off your spouse and put them on yourself as far as as evaluating, challenging, and critiquing. Not criticizing, not mm -hmm. self, you know, deprecating, but especially us men, we get married and it's as though we've accomplished something, so we move on to the next project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good you point. You know, and yeah. so we put all of our energy now in our work, our career, uh, the next degree, the, the amassing of funds, and we take and we take our eyes off of our own growth that needs to happen, but also being the the initiator of growth in the marriage. Mm. You know, talk to me a I little bit about that. Like, what what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? Well, you know, so often, especially in our culture, we're told that we men are to be the providers of our our families, and I agree with that. But let's discuss what that means. We first are responsible to provide the spiritual foundation and the spiritual growth of our families. Well, if we're not growing spiritually, if we're not hearing God every day in prayer, if we're not being challenged and converted by His Word in the Spirit and through the sacramental life, how are we going to do that for our families, including our, our wives and then our children? So the first element of provision is we've got to provide the spiritual strength and leadership to bring our wives and our children safely to the throne of God. The second thing that I think we've got to provide for is the emotional and relational stability of our family. The strength in the relationship of every husband, every uh, father in the family is so crucial to the strength of the family. And so often we men... Uh, abdicate that responsibility to our wives that they're to be the the spiritual and the emotional support of the family. Okay, so let me ask you now, a question because we can't. We I, can't I, I, I I couldn't agree with you more, but but here's the kickback that I'm feeling, or maybe the listeners are feeling is okay, Dan. I, mm -hmm. I I get it. I need to be the spiritual leader of my home and and the emotional leader. I, how do I do that? I don't I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Well, 
Um, this is not something that we learn naturally, or maybe our dads didn't right. teach us, or we picked up right. on the playground, you know? So Well, there's, yeah, so it's kind of like if you don't know something, you become the best student of it. Amen. If you, if you need to grow in your spiritual life, uh, go to a man that you know is walking the spiritual life. doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're walking the life, whether it's your pastor, um, some leader in your community who you know, in your church, um, and just ask them, when's the next retreat? How do I get connected in a men's Bible study? How do I do uh, that man as you workshop? I mean, there's so many opportunities to grow as men these days. There's Acts uh, Acts retreat weekends. There's Curcio. There are so many opportunities. We're remiss if we're not learning and if we're not growing. We ask, we, we, we get online, there's online retreats, there's online formation programs. But we have to do the work. If we need a mentor to help us, we, you know, so much of us men understand the coach mentality. We need coaches to teach us the basic skills and to refine and, and, uh, and perfect our skills so that we can be the best we can be. We'll know different in the spiritual life. We can either have a spiritual coach, a spiritual mentor, spiritual director, whatever you want to call it, some brother in our life who we can walk with, who we can grow with, who can help us along that. So guys need to, to reach out. I mean, at the very least, if they don't know how to fill these gaps in their lives or, or accomplish these things, at least reach out to other men who can help you fill those gaps. And, you know, before I got married, I I had a lot of gaps and I I took a journal and I met with a series of men and just took notes, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? And I I began to sort of just naturally be mentored by a lot of people. uh, And it really, really helped. And it, and it carried me a long way. Um, And so the encouragement, uh, you know, for, for guys is, is, to just get over yourself and, and allow someone to journey with you? Is that what you're saying? Bottom line, that'd be the simplest way to say it. Yeah, you know? not to be afraid, and, and, right, of those issues. Yeah, don't be afraid. I mean, because the unknown always always intimidates us. But if we're of, you know, if we're of that mindset that if I've got to learn, I've got to, I mean, if I'm going to grow, i got to learn. And so, and I'll even back it up even more. Take out a Bible open to the Psalms, open to the four Gospels, and just start reading. And being open to what God's Word is saying and what God is saying to your heart, and begin the journey today. Yeah, I believe that if if men really prayed uh, that God would not tell them to not work on their marriage or to leave their marriage, God would tell them just to enter into it, and He'll take care of it. He'll be the provider. So I want to shift gears here, you know, because I want to cover this, because, you know, for the women who are listening— uh, who maybe or take the burden of the spiritual leadership or the emotional leadership in the marriage, right? You see that often, that transition happening. Um, what, what advice would you give to them to, to almost help encourage their husband instead of pushing him further away? Because I see that often in, in their attempts, the, the man ends up kind of moving further away instead of closer. It's counterintuitive, but the more you push the farther away they'll go. Hmm. To en- to encourage is one thing, but oftentimes what encouragement ends up being is nagging, begging, demeaning. Yep. 
And sometimes mm. we've got to, you know, I would encourage women, turn it over to the Lord. Mm. Take this to the Lord and cry out to the Lord your heart's desire and keep following the Lord as best as you can. Love your husband with your covenantal sacramental love without telling him what a bad job he's doing as a spiritual leader. Hmm. That never that never entices people to do better. Yeah, Tell I them just I, have I, a job. I agree. I, I think men, I think a lot of times they don't show it, but need encouragement and affirmation more than they say they do. Um, well we are we are an insecure gender. Yeah. We just are, and we need we need that affirmation because we walk out into the work world and it just tears us up. Mm. And and we are, in, especially in relationships and our relationship with God, we've we don't have that confidence. And to have someone, our spouse, tell us that we're doing a bad job as spiritual leaders and how we're just not living up to our job, that just reaffirms our insecurity. Right. And so really to back off the pressure, to turn over to the Lord, and to really pray and invite, you know, if you know of a That Man Is You program, just let your husband know that that's going on. If there's a men's acts retreat and you know uh, um, one of your friend's spouses has made it, have him invite your husband. Um, But the more I think we as spouses are critiquing and criticizing our spouse, our, our wives, our husbands for the job they're not doing, it doesn't entice them to do a better job. Amen. I, I've found that the greatest growth I've had in my marriage, and I could speak for Gretchen as well, is when we've loved each other in the weakest places of each other's lives. And those are the times where we've been more encouraged to grow and to, to share, to be vulnerable uh, and allow the Lord to move us into a new place in our life that we never thought. So our unconditional love that we can have to our spouse, even in a place that we don't like about our spouse, can actually be the transformative place of love that we we really want to see. Amen. And isn't that Christ-like love, that we are loved for who we are by God, not, not because of what we do? Yeah. We are loved for who we are. Well, we need to translate that love to our spouses, that in the place where they are their weakest— they're maybe their ugliest. They're they're not attractiveness. We need to love them there. Hmm. Yeah, that's so important, Dan. I can't thank you enough. So, where can people find some of these resources, these blogs, these webinars that that you connect people with? And of course, if they're in the Lafayette area, they can connect with you personally. But yeah, you can go to our you can go to our website www.paxrenewalcenter.com. There's um, you know resource link, and it's got our webinars, our podcast. I'll be doing a, a two-day marriage intensive in June. We'll have that up probably by the end of this week, beginning of next week. Nice. Um, on our webpage, um, where couples can—I've got couples that have come in from out of town uh, that just stay at the hotel, and and we just drill into that. Um, but the webpage is the best place to uh, find us. Awesome, Dan. I can't thank you enough, and we're gonna do it again because this is so good and so easy. So I appreciate the time. You're welcome. We just hit the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Amen to that. All right. God bless. Have a great day. Okay. Bless you, Paul.
Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you today. Quietly anticipating over there, coming back on, Mr. Adam Kong. Hey, Paul. How you doing, bud? Great, man. I was just soaking it in. Yeah, that was a good interview, Dan Jurek. Yeah, it's it's almost like if you're a practicing Catholic, takes your faith seriously for decades, and you get a master's degree in counseling, you have a thing or two to share. Yeah, you do. You have some zingers. <laughs> yeah, And you work with couples for decades as well. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to have him back on to, to get more in-depth about these things. So anyway. Um, well, well, I learned a couple of things. Yeah, what did you learn this today? episode? One, I learned you really inside want to scream at baptisms. I really do. I really inside want to do and that. And I learned you know at least three words in Spanish. I do, Jose. <laughs> Como estas? That's that's three right there. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Como te llama? What's your Ooh. name? Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's, what did you learn? Here's what I learned today. I, I learned that dunking is cool. <laughs> dunking babies. In many situations. Is cool. Like, dunking's always cool. There's certain things that are always cool. So dunking a basketball, you can never be like, that's really uncool. Like, if someone can dunk a basketball, you're like, cool. You're always cool. But... Any dunking, I think, is cool. Dunking a donut, done. Dunking a baby has to be up there. So dunking's cool, no matter what you dunk. <laughs> and marriage is work. Yeah. No matter who you are. You didn't know that already? Or how good your marriage, or how bad it, marriage is work. I think you knew that already. I did, but I, he reiterated You learned it in a new depth. Yeah, yeah. You went I, deeper. Yep, yep, yep. That's awesome. So anyway... That's what I learned today, but here we go. Adam, how about those six-pack of questions? Question. So you're married. Yes. We talked about marriage today. 20 years. How'd you meet your wife? First question. Um, we met through mutual friends who were dating, and we were just kind of tag-alongs, third wheels, you could say. Really? Did yep. they end up getting married? They ended up breaking it up, and we ended so up getting married. So joke's on them. Joke's on them. Ha! <laughs> That'll teach them to... Have a third wheel. We were third wheeling, and I just kind of looked over, and I was like, I kind of like her a little bit. Uh-oh. I, I want to get to know her. So how'd you do that? Like, so, hey, can I get your number? So, yeah, we kind of all hung out, and we kind of hit it off, and then a couple of weeks later, I called her, which she says I shouldn't have waited that long. Oh. Which she's always right. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out. Apparently it worked, it worked out. out. So far. So far. <laughs> yeah. Question number two. So you obviously had deep thoughts when you said that staying happily married for a lifetime is a fine art. And I know that because you did this. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Share some of those thoughts. What were you thinking about when he said that? A fine art? When he said that staying happily married for a lifetime is a fine art. Well, he, he it was kind of a, a longer statement. He said, you know, marriage is easy, uh, and then staying married is... Whatever, and then more difficult. And more saying difficult. happily married for a lifetime is, is, a, is, is a, like a fine, fine art. art. And I think what we all desire, I think that's what my sort of my response was, we all desire, desire to be happily married forever. And to do that, you know, takes work. It's a fine art. It's learning the art of marriage. It's learning the art of your spouse. It's learning the art of yourself. Marriage is the apex of continual growth. It is a commitment to saying, I am always want to grow as a person. That's, the, that's the, the, the whole idea of marriage, and that 
that is what marriage does for us. It, it helps us to grow in holiness. So any sacrament does that. And a sacra- it is not a sacrament if it doesn't do that. Mm. It's a growth in holiness. And so it is this art of growing into holiness. And holiness, I say, equals happiness. No. That's a good zinger. There you go. <laughs> I had a zinger Holiness, today. I say, equals happiness. I say. <laughs> Question number three. Yeah. So he talked about a dating rhythm, which I thought was interesting. And my question for you is, what was the lamest, or what women would call most romantic? I'm going to call the lamest thing you ever did on a date with Gretchen. I do think there's a, there is a dating rhythm. We tell dating couples and engaged couples all the time, start putting some married rhythm into your dating rhythm so that when you're married, you have rhythm built in. So say like mm-hmm. a date night. Well, when you're dating, you don't have kids and you don't have like, you know, a lot of different stresses finding a date together is easy. It's like, oh, let's just go out this night or this night. Well, when you're married, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have kids, that's difficult. But if you start now, then you'll do it then. So kind of, you know, but the lamest, to get to your question, uh, the lamest date we ever The did? lamest thing you've ever done on a date with Gretchen, like back in the day, just what girls would call romantic, I'm going to call lame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. I think... Everything I did was so lame. <laughs> <laughs> did you surprise her with flowers? Did you buy her a giant teddy bear? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, the first Valentine's Day that we were dating, uh, we lived apart, and so uh, two hours apart, and I sent her a huge box with a teddy bear that was about four feet. Really? Yeah. It's like as big as her. Something like that, yeah. What did she do with it? Did she still have it? No, but I think she she appreciated the thought and loved it and thought it was cute. Yada yada, everything was cute then, <laughs> right? Awesome, good job. But that was so lame. But every every guy needs to be a little lame, you especially in the beginning, to. right? Yeah, I think always. Yeah, I think you have to kind of get over that that sort of manly image and just be like, you know, I'm gonna do something really kind of like out of the box and not care what people think. Yeah, it's like a manly humility. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Question number four: Does happily Catholic equal happily married? Or is there another step to that equation? Well, you know, I don't know. I think individual, you know, because marriage is two people coming together. And so then you, you sort of have your individual spiritual life and your growth as a, as, as a Christian, as a Catholic. Uh, and Dan kind of talked about maybe, you know, we talked about one, maybe one spouse isn't, you know, taking the spiritual initiative yet or, or their growth is a little bit behind the other spouse, you know. And so one person could be experiencing, you know, holiness and happiness in their spiritual life, but it doesn't necessarily equal holiness and happiness in their marital life. And I think the idea is that eventually we we were equally yoked in that in that holiness. But I did have to say, we didn't get to get into this, is that holiness for one spouse and holiness for the other spouse could look differently, right? Mm-hmm. One person could pray differently and 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 express their spiritual life differently. And to try to force our own maybe spiritual life on the other person, I think oftentimes causes more conflict, you know. So I, I think that's where we complement each other. We talked about the differences, how they complement. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, my wife's, you know, the way she prays and the way I pray, we shouldn't like be like, well, you should pray like me. We should be like, that's beautiful. Let's pray the way we pray and we'll complement each other. And then that helps us to grow together. Wow. 
Beautiful stuff. Yeah, it's the art. <laughs> it's the art. It's the art. The fine art. Uh, question number five. So Dan talked about the need for the man to provide emotional, spiritual, relational stability. Yeah. But I've heard this statement a few times, and I think you've heard it too, from a guy who understands that I try to lead the family, but she won't let me. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the guy about that? Well, I'd say, you know, both to the guy and the girl, like, you know, the, the woman has to trust God, like Dan said, trust in the Lord and begin to back off and let and let the guy take the lead. It may not be the way you would do it or the way you think about it. And certainly we both have input into that and, and encouragement. So the guy has to be able to hear what the wife is saying. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times the guy's not hearing what the wife is saying and therefore just kind of does what he wants. Mm-hmm. And taking the lead doesn't mean like you're leaving everyone behind and like you're like, you know, the one that, that is untouchable. Taking the lead means like you're joined together, you're moving together at the same pace. But yet, like when it comes to like certain things, you're just like, okay, like I'm 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 gonna take the burden for this. Like I'm the one that's gonna, you know, you know, make the decision for this. You know, we need to pray the fin, we need to do this, yada, yada, yada. You know, but all that is with input from your life. And so what I find a lot of times is we're not hearing each other. When we're not hearing each other, we within we interpret what we think we should do. Yeah, and it's like the the wife finds it hard to trust because deep down they really don't think that the husband actually hears them and has their needs in, in mind. Yeah, I think a lot of times this simple saying of I hear what you're saying. I I, I hear what you're saying and I and I want to I want to honor that is is a good is a good follow up. Wow. All right, question number six. Can you give us a quick top three list of don't do that for a happy marriage? Don't, top three things we should not do oh, there, well, there's for a so, happy marriage. So, so many. <laughs> a, a top three list we should not do. Don't do that. Uh, don't go a week or two without having a date. Time together is so important. Uh, and so don't um, let your job or your kids or anything else be priority over your marriage. And don't ever, 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 ever stop working on your marriage and on yourself. So I just That's flew, a pretty good top three. Flew those off. Let's recap though. Do you remember them? No, go ahead. <laughs> so don't stop working on yourself or your marriage. Right. Don't put anything else as a priority over your marriage. And don't go two weeks without a date. Yes. Spend time together. Brilliant. Constantly engaging each other and pursuing each other. And I would encourage people who are struggling in their marriage or, you know, don't feel like their marriage is where it needs to be. Don't give up. Pray. And, and just uh, just allow yourself um, just to enter into to growth. Um, and God can do so many things with our weaknesses and where, where we're not. God can take us many places. So great show today. Adam, thanks so much um, for being here, for coming on. Thanks to Dan Jurek uh, for his insight. Um, so anyway, you can find the show on uh, the website, paulgeorge.la on podcast, on iTunes, SoundCloud, all those venues and avenues and mediums and platforms. They're out there, right? Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) great show today. Yeah. Paul George Show. We'll be back next week. God bless.